All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 68, the Yarmir Jagger episode of the DFO Rundown. And Double J is still playing. It's unbelievable. We got to get him on the show soon. It's amazing. 49 years young and he's still playing. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. The DFO Rundown is brought to you by Fan. Tracks. Go to fantracks.com slash DFO rundown. That's where you can register to enter to win a signed Nathan McKinnon jersey. Okay. It's a customizable fantasy platform. If you're doing season long for keeper leagues, you're doing a dynasty league, a redraft league, they can do it all at fantracks.com. Frank, how you doing, my man? I'm good. Yeah. Yammer Yager, old friend. Uh, I, you know, I would love to, to go over to the Czech Republic and oh. see him. When he turns 50 in February, when he's still on the ice playing, like it's an unbelievable story. Well, it's, we had Rob Rossi on the pod last week and the Pittsburgh's like, we can't even retire his Jersey cause he's still playing. But I'm like, well, you probably could if you if you really want to, but he's still playing. So you can't even give him over to be part of the ceremony. I think that's the bigger issue. He's got, he, I, I say this, like, this is not tongue in cheek at all. He has more pressure on him than any other hockey player on the planet. Owning the team, his dad works for the team. He's trying to keep the team in the top check league and he's the only draw. He's the draw for sponsors, for tickets, for everything else. He's got to keep playing because he needs to, you know, keep the franchise afloat money wise. It's hard to make money in that league. Yeah. Oh, very different. Too bad they can't get some like get the young next Yarmer Jagger. Although it probably will never be another Yarmer Jagger. He was uh, he, he was that good. Now uh, speaking of Yarmer Jagger, he was the fifth overall pick, 1990. Uh, pretty good draft class that year. Obviously, he turned out to be the, uh, the 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 best pick from that class. But there's no guarantees, Frank. But here we are. The regular season begins next week, and from my vent, there's a few teams that look to be at least in management trying to set themselves up. We can talk at the tank job, um, Arizona, Buffalo specific. Now Buffalo, maybe because of the Jack Eichel things a little bit different, but what do you Not make really. of, uh, what do you make of tank 22? This is, it's a race to the bottom. Like that's really what it is. I mean, let's be honest. It's a race for Shane, Wright. Who can get there? Uh, 
I mean, I look no further than the goaltending for these two teams uh, in Buffalo. The, both teams are spending like literally the bare minimum, $1.5 million, the lowest you can spend on goaltending uh, as per the CBA. They're, Buffalo's trotting out 40-year-old Craig Anderson, who had actually made the decision and uh, I think had announced his retirement, if I'm not mistaken, or at least the Washington Capitals did it for him before his career career was revived by the a last minute offer from the Sabres who after seeing Linus Olmark go didn't have anyone else in net they also bring in Aaron Dell and then you look at the Coyotes and honestly like I I I think it's possible that the Coyotes goaltending is better they take Carter Hutton from Buffalo he's on a minimum deal and and Yosef Coronash from the San Jose Sharks in a trade Again, uh, I, I think the, I think the Coyotes are are a bit better uh, on paper, at least. Um, you know, their back end has a chance to yes. to be a little bit more difficult to play against. Jacob Chikrin, uh coming off in 18 goal season, in which he got a Norris Trophy vote from me. Uh, they added Shane Gossespierre, who I you know I'm really curious about him because I actually think he has something left in the tank that. Um, he can revive his career. He had a crisis of confidence in Philly and needed to get out of there in the worst way. And, and some of their players up front are still pretty decent. Clayton Keller can be a good player. Phil Kessel is probably going to want to have a big season uh, knowing that he could be traded and generate some interest. Um, and, and just, you know, Lawson Krause, just some players that might be able to uh, make it interesting in Buffalo though. My God, I like, that's unbelievable what that roster looks like at this moment. So the fun question will be not so much who finishes 30th, but ultimately it comes down to the lottery. That, that's what's These two could easily finish 32nd and 31st and still not win the draft lottery. I'd be shocked if they don't finish 32nd and 31st. Oh, no, I would agree. I don't, Maybe I don't that's even, when Detroit like, swoops in finally after being there right there and probably should have won a lottery. And <laughs> this is the year that they go and do it. Yeah, well, well, guess what? Detroit, I guess, uh, if they're looking for better odds, uh, unfortunately for them, they got it with the Jacob Verana shoulder injury. So he's out four months is one of their top line players. But I, I just Detroit's got way better players overall. No, than, but they're, uh, they're going to be in that 29, 30 range. They could easily have enough ping pong balls to win the lottery. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, it's but, the, the, you know, I, I've always believed you can't ask players to tank. The players are there. They're playing for their career, their future career. They got pride. They're going to try hard. So in this case, it's like both management crews decided, you know what? We're not going to ask anybody not to play after their potential. We're just going to add more players whose potential is lower. Yeah. And, and look, that this story to me is one of the key storylines to watch for the season. I'm actually excited. Our our guest today, Scott Burnside, he, he's got a piece coming out this week on dailyfaceoff.com about the storylines to watch. I'd be surprised if this isn't one of them. Oh, yeah, it's definitely going to be one. We're going to welcome Scotty into the uh, woodjerseys.com studio uh, momentarily. Of course, uh, go to Wood Jersey. You see the Boston Bruins one right behind me. Frank's got his Toronto one. We are going to get some new ones for the start of the regular season. They've got lots more teams, so check it out at woodjerseys.com. Now, Frank, um, I, I'm I'm impressed to have our guest on today, Scott, because we're going to talk a lot of hockey, but I'm just going to tease it right now for audience. In rapid fire, there's going to be a question of, to Scott that I'm not sure many people have any. They're like, what? He did what? Like Scott Burnside had a very unique career that he was doing right before he transitioned to the NHL. Now, I understood why he wanted to make a change, but it's fascinating. So that's going to come up uh in a, in a rapid fire in a second. But uh, let's get to our big guest today, brought to you by ESPN Plus. And they become a must-have for hockey fans. You can get access to more than 1,000 out-of-market NHL games and 75 weekly national games all season. Plus, stream thousands of live events from the best leagues and the biggest tournaments in the world. Exclusive originals, the complete 30 for 30 library, love that show, premium articles and fantasy tools, and more with ESPN+. Plus. You can go now and sign up at ESPNplus.com slash NHL slash DFO. And if you live in the U.S., NHL TV is no more. ESPN Plus is the replacement. So if that's what you use to stream games from around the league, ESPN Plus is going to be how you're doing it this season and moving forward. 
Our next guest is actually not a guest at all. He's one of the newest members of the DailyFaceOff.com team. He's been covering the NHL since 1997 when he started in Windsor covering the Detroit Red Wings. And he's now become one of the most prolific hockey journalists out there. You know him, Scott Burnside. Welcome to the DFO Rundown. Brandon, thanks for having me. I, I feel a little bit bad, though, because I'm like someone you have to invite, right? Like, it's not like... Uh, okay, who can we get? Oh my God, we have to. He has to come on. It's See, like, that's not true. Like, uh, I, 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 if you if you weren't any good, I just wouldn't have given you the rundown <laughs> invite. You could have just <laughs> said, Scott, you know what? Go off and launch your own podcast. We don't want any of that here. Okay, well, I feel a little bit better now, but it's tremendous uh, as always to chat with you and Jason. So, thanks for having me aboard. Yeah. So actually, uh, that was a nice nice little segue. You are launching a pod. It is this week. Uh, give us the name of it. Tell us who you're doing it with and, and give us some details. I wish I could take credit for the name, which is an outstanding one. Uh, the Suitcase and the Scribe and my good pal, Mike McKenna, and I are going to uh, once a week uh, join forces with the rest of the uh, Daily Faceoff media world. And uh, we're going to talk some hockey and Mike's going to, Mike is incredibly smart. I, I've, re- I've had a number of uh, NHL executives reach out to me and remind me that uh, Mike's a St. Lawrence guy. So he's really smart, uh, basically warning me that. That I'm probably in over my head, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I met Mike uh, the year I spent with the Dallas Stars, and uh, Mike was in the Stars organization. And late in the season, um, Mike got called up. He came on, and we'll probably talk about it again this week. So, uh, but he got called in on in relief of Kari Lettinen, who got hurt in San Jose. Mike came on, played great. Stars got a win, uh, it, and I think it was his first NHL game in two or three years. Um, and then uh, at the Athletic, and, and Mike played for another tenor NHL organizations before he retired. Uh, but he and I have become quite close and stayed in touch uh, after he retired and um, talked a lot about the business of reporting on hockey, which he did for a couple of years as a color guy in Vegas. So uh, really looking forward to it. And it's such a smart, insightful guy. And uh, we're going to have some fun, guaranteed. So Scott, let's get into the uh, you know some some stories of the weekend. Uh, Robin Lehner comes out and um, uh, didn't pull any punches. Uh, called out a, f- a few people, uh, the NHL, and uh, basically said, if if I don't hear from the NHL, I will start airing these stories one day at a time. And uh, the NHL, I guess, note to everybody else: if you want to get a response from the NHL, that's a it's a way to do it. Because now he has a meeting with them. Uh, what do you make of the accusations from Leonard? Uh, well, I I mean, I, I expected they're all more or less true. I mean, I'm sure that the people on the other end and whether it's, you know, any NHL team doctors or trainers, you know, whatever, they may have a rationalization for it. But, you know, again, I think what Robin was talking about is something that, uh, you know, I think people have been discussing more or less quietly for years. And and the, there are issues and have been for a long time about um, pain medication and the uh, sleep aids. I taught, I remember talking, and this is a long, you know, probably seven or eight years ago, talking to an NHL GM who said he felt that the whole ambient sleep aid um, issue might have been the biggest single problem that no one was talking about at the NHL level. Um, and I know the NHLPA has you know, they were certainly aware of it. Um, but to me, these are the kinds of things that when when someone like Robin Leonard, um, who has had, you know, an incredible career, an incredible journey, very candid about his own issues and the, the elements that, you know, the demons, for want of a better term, that he's confronted along the way. Um, yeah, I think I think his words, words carry a lot of weight because he's a guy who, you know, who, who deals in honesty. Uh, and, and I have no doubt that what he says, he believes entirely. So and I think it I think it was important for the NHL to respond quickly and say, listen, uh, we would love to spend some time talking with Robin, break these things down. I mean, it's a lot of skepticism about the NHL out there. A lot of it, you know, you go back to how the NHL has responded to the uh, investigation into the Chicago Blackhawks and and the fact that they had uh, who uh, um, staffer who would uh, allegedly sexually assault a member of the team and then go on to be convicted of sexual assault after leaving the Blackhawks team. There's a lot of skepticism about the league's role in that and their transparency. Um, 
you know, and so I think there's a lot of skepticism, though, this is a meeting to make Robin Leonard shut up. And if that's what it is, then that then shame on the NHL. But here's hoping that it, it this creates some sort of dialogue that we have. It's OK to talk about it. Hey, we don't know what to do with this or we shouldn't have done that. Or, uh, you know, uh, th- th- this isn't good for players. And I don't know, maybe I'm Pollyannish, but but I think it's a step in the right direction. But, man, there's a lot of steps to go and a lot of cynicism out there about what this actually means. I wanted to chime in for a second because I I had a chance to actually exchange messages with Robin Leonard yesterday. And um, it's interesting to get a little more clarity from his end in terms of what what are you looking to do here? And I'm going to write something uh, later today that will appear on Daily Faceoff just about he's not trying to come in. His viewpoint is he's not trying to come in and burn it down. Like he doesn't want to have to send this string of bombs, you know, that people have to see publicly. He actually wants to affect change from within. And so that's his end game. Now he does have a meeting upcoming with the NHL, but importantly, he had a meeting with the NHL PA on Sunday where they sat down and they worked through some of the lists of, of things and issues and concerns and questions that he has. So I think, you know, also getting the support from the PA side is pretty significant as well. Oh Yeah. Um, so that's, that's sort of his, his game plan moving forward. And he wanted to clarify one thing and I'll mention it here, but I'll also mention it, uh, in the story. He, he also lobbed an an accusation out there, uh, to the flyers and Elaine Vigneault. And if you saw it, Chuck Fletcher, their GM responded with a statement on Sunday saying that they don't believe that any of their players have received any sort of improper, uh, medical advice or, or treatment or anything like that. And that wasn't what Robin Leonard meant or wanted to say. So he wanted it out there that um, his his criticism of Elaine Vino is related to how Elaine Vino has treated, in Robin Leonard's words, other players with mental health issues. So he wanted to make that clear that in case there was any ambiguity about uh, what exactly he meant to say in that tweet, he was never alleging that Elaine Vino was handing out pills to players or anything like that. Uh, it was a totally separate issue. And I think in that string of tweets that he had sent that, you know, it was sort of one subject and then another subject, and it wasn't necessarily clear as to exactly what he was getting at. Uh, but that's certainly, you know, he wanted that, that point out there. And so, I guess my thing is, one, there's so much power in what he's saying because a lot of players have tried to tackle these issues, but a lot of times, unfortunately, they've waited until their post-playing career because they didn't want it to impact their their career as it was ongoing. And so I don't think we've really seen, and Scott, you have a longer track record and Jason than I do covering the league. I, I can't remember an active current player you know, using his pulpit, if you will, as a current player to make these kinds of statements and allegations. And there's a lot of power in that. And I think it's easy for fans. It's easy for the league and probably even easy for the Golden Knights and the PA at a certain point to say, for lack of a better term, you know, this guy's off his rocker or whatever you want to say, because he has been so open about his mental health journey that in some ways it's, you know, it's made it easy for people to push Robin Leonard aside. And I want to remind everyone of one really important thing. Uh, It's actually two. They go hand in hand. One is that when Robin Leonard spoke up last year and the players were under some pretty significant restrictions, he said, they told us to get vaccinated and that if we all did, that the restrictions would loosen. And right away, everyone, the team, the league, and the PA all came out that same day and said, we never made any promises like that. You know, that's false. And, and I can remember the stories, are, and I think I wrote one as well. And everyone was quick to condemn Robin Leonard for what he said. But the truth is two weeks later, the restrictions were loosened for teams that were vaccinated. Yeah. And I, I think it's important to point that out that, you know, he was, he was correct. And the second part that goes hand in hand with that is one of the tweets that he sent sort of later in the day on Saturday saying, I've made a lot of mistakes in my career 12 years, but lying isn't one of them. So yeah. 
I, and I think Scott, you said it perfectly in the beginning, which was he truly believes exactly what he's saying. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of power in that truth. If you're willing to express and come out and be the person, you know, to put your name to it and say it. Well, guys, I can tell you, cause you know, I've been covering the league for over 20 years and met a lot of different players and had some relationships that are, you know, that where, where there's trust involved. I had three text conversations over the weekend and one turned into a phone call and all three of the guys said, uh, what, what now they, you know, what, when I asked them about Vino, because at that point, that's what the, the public one, they're like, well, I've never heard that. But they did say they know for they they were willing to, you know, they didn't want to name names or the team they played on at the time that said, I never heard a team push it on a player, but I've heard guys ask for it and they always got what they asked for. Yeah. That was their that was the direct quote basically from two different guys. They always got what they asked for. So I, I don't believe that Robin Lehner, anything he's saying is untrue as far as, you know, this is an issue. And uh, Scott, I, I think, you know, you and I and, and Frank's probably talked to guys like sleeping pills and, and, and pain pills. Like there's been lots of other players that have talked about it, Frank, as, as you said, post-career, right? Where they've talked about, yeah, you know, it's kind of hooked on painkillers and, and such. And, you know, they didn't have people kind of helping you because they probably didn't have the right people to have that knowledge. So I, I think Robin Leonard here, to come out and say this, it, it might be uncomfortable for people. And, and it's, I, I think we have to learn to have conversations rather than just want to attack and say, let's get this person fired and let's get this person fired. That, does, that doesn't teach anyone anything. It's like, now, if, somebody, if somebody's proven that they did it repeatedly, 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 okay, well, then that person could be removed. But if there was a, you know, one guy on one team did it and then another guy on another team, you have to have conversations and some guidelines put in place to say, hey, this has to stop. How can we stop it now? Because uh, later, Frank, was a really good point how you said the the uh, the league and everybody said no. And then two weeks later, everything changed as far as the, the teams that were unvaccinated. This would be a similar thing. And I'll tell you right now that some teams will be having internal conversations guaranteed. I spoke to one management person and said, we're going to have to uh, you know do a deep dive within our organization because sometimes, Frank, People at the top don't know every little detail. If all of a sudden one defenseman, you know, has a real pain issue problem and, and he's asking, the, you know, a doctor, and I'm just making up this scenario, I'm not saying that's true, that that doesn't necessarily mean that that guy is going to go tell the GM or the assistant GM or even the coach what's happening behind the scenes in every case. Yeah. No, and I, Frank, I think you raised an, uh, an excellent point on this, on the notion that somebody who's, in, you know, not just in the game. I mean, Robin Leonard is a huge part of one of the best teams in the NHL. And for him to to have that, I think we toss around terms like courage way too often. But I, I I do think it's courageous for somebody who it's easier not to say stuff, right? Just like it's it just easier not to do any of what Robin Leonard did. So good for him. And I think it will be interesting to see. And and you, you alluded to it, Jason, what's the conversation like in 31 other dressing rooms or management offices or coaching offices today and tomorrow and moving forward? And what does that conversation look like when Robin Leonard, you know, talks to, you know, whether it's Bill Daly or maybe he talks to Bill Daly and the, the you know, the, the medical team at the NHL who were so important in terms of the, you know, working with the doctors from the PA to, to put protocols in place to allow for games to take place the last two seasons. Maybe that's what happens. And, and I think the fact that it is someone who is active in the game in this moment to have these conversations I think it puts a real sharp point on it and it's what's needed but but here's going to be the real question guys is and Scott alluded to it do right now on the outside there's going to be a lot of people that question the validity of any investigation the NHL does based on their their past track record when they have to do an internal investigation on things. Usually they always either do it half-heartedly and they don't do it in depth enough to really ever come down and, and in, inflict sort of change. So that would be my question. Is this going to be the tipping point where all of a sudden they say, okay, you know what? Because the NHL historically – has always been don't talk about anything, right? They never wanted players to to barely show their personalities. But we're seeing subtle little changes, guys. Like even as something as small as reducing the uh, the the willingness to have to wear a suit every game, right? The Arizona Coyotes have done it. Now some other teams. And I just wonder, are we seeing small little changes in the the 
try to portray the perfect image on the outside that the NHL has tried to have for many, many decades. Yeah. Well, I think the easiest way to explain it is, is this sort of divide that exists between hockey culture and the game itself. And it's interesting. Like, I think anyone that butts up against or questions or challenges the the cultural norm in this sport is ostracized right away. And it takes us a long time for people to figure out or, or realize that that person was probably right. Um, the person that challenged or, or stepped up and, you know, whether it's been a lot of other things that have been super slow to change or not. Um, I mean, it, if I feel like it's come a long way, but also is still sort of stuck in, in its own neutral state at times, like, you know, as much as there has been some progress on, you know, combating racism and combating all these other things, making the game more inclusive. Well, then there's still this, how come the investigation on Bill Peters hasn't wrapped up yet? Yeah. Like that's been almost two calendar years. It's been 23 months. And in the meantime, the NHL has wrapped up all sorts of other investigations. They've done one on Evander Kane. They've done one on John Chica, the Coyotes GM. Like there's been numerous problems or issues that have popped up that they've worked through, even if the investigation has taken a long time, yet something as simple as dealing with Bill Peters and the allegations that Akeem Aliou made, and yet we have no answer and no one's questioned or sort of brought it up. So I, I, I guess I say all that to say that there's still a lot of room to grow. Well, but I mean, let, let, let's say, you know, does it not come from the top? And is it is it not these things? The things that get done are directed by leadership, and and we know the we, the, we know the strength of of Gary Bettman and, and Bill Daly in the dynamic, the power dynamic within hockey. And when things when 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 the when the people at the very top want things done, they get done. And you know, I go back to the Chicago Blackhawks investigation, and and really, I, I just think the NHL, you know, really missed an opportunity to, you know, to to sort of t take the narrative of a diff different way and to show a different, you know, whether it's not the side, but to say we're going to confront this head on. We're not going to look like we're trying to sweep it under the rugs. We're not going to look. We're kind of passive about it, but that's exactly what they've done. Right? There's no, there's no real sense. I don't think that at the end of the day, we'll know exactly what happened and that there will be a day of reckoning for anyone for whom there should be a day of reckoning, reckoning in that organization. I think that, that I think there is a lot of skepticism that we'll ever get to that point. And to your point there, Frank, is it, you know, why, why is it taking so long on Bill Peters? Well, it's a really uncomfortable topic and it involves one of the the most powerful organizations in the NHL. Well, how can you not be cynical about it when you see those things happening? And I, I think it's disappointing to, I, it should be disappointing to a lot of people, both outside the game and on on teams and you know the owners and management teams around the NHL should be disappointed by it too. And I, it would be nice if we just saw uh, you know people at the very top seize these kinds of moments and. And and really be willing to shine a light on on things that are uncomfortable. But Frank, you talk about it. that's not hockey. That's not how hockey has ever been. And uh, well, I don't see that we're that close to it now. Well, we could make the argument. It's really how society is. You know, hockey is yeah. kind of a product of society. If you look at the most uncomfortable situations in our society right now, we 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 it's glacier slow in in how a lot of the movement for change on some we're talking decades for for things to change and so hopefully you know this will maybe ex expedite a little bit for the NHL this would seem like one that you could you could at least go head on and say okay we we have to readjust how we look at it and 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 how we're go you know we have to have a better communication and better protocol per chance on 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 how players can get access to you know, to sleeping pills and different things like that. And so it leads me to this question for you, Scott. You know, Robin Leonard also has been pretty, pretty vocal about, you know, let Jack Eichel get his surgery. What are we waiting for? This is the, the player's body. And, you, you know, we should have a choice on that. Like, and Frank's alluded to this in the past. He's like, 
why not just to let him allow him to get the surgery that he wants? What what am I missing here? Why why hasn't that happened? Well, I mean, it's and I get you know I get that whole point, but I I will I say you know that's to me the Eichel thing is one of the most complicated issues that we've seen you know especially relating to a star player in a long time, and I. I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV. So is disc replacement better than disc fusion? I understand both. And I understand, you know, when talking to executives around the NHL who have watched this unfold, may have had some interest in acquiring Jack Eichel, there is not, there isn't a cut and dried. Yes. If you have the disc replacement, which is what Jack Eichel would like, these are certain, this is a guarantee or there are certainties about what will happen in terms of rehabilitation and when he might be back in the ice and ability to play at a hundred percent. Buffalo Sabres and their doctors have, have taken a different view. And, and Jack Eichel signed a contract as all players have signed a contract. It's in the CBA. So if Jack Eichel decides he wants to do B, not A, then then he runs the risk of having his contract voided because the contract is very clear. If you go outside what the team wants, then then you then you are defined the contract that he willingly signed. Now you can argue: should he have the right to choose what he does with his body? You know, in some ways, you forfeit that right. I mean, if if you have an employer that has a certain, you know, not to go COVID on it, but I know just in Delta, at Delta, if you want to, you know, if if you don't get vaccinated, you're going to pay an extra two hundred dollars a month in in health benefits. So, okay, you can make that choice, but the choices come with consequences. I guess that's my point. And Jack Eichel is in that position. He wants to do something that the team does not want him to do, but he signed a contract. So I, I have some sympathy for Jack Eichel in this. Um, it's a mess, but I don't think you can just say, well, let Jack Eichel do whatever he wants because he is, he's, he's $50 million worth of asset, to the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, they have a say in this. I'm, you know, and if you don't like it, then you better be ready to walk away from $50 million, which, I'm pretty sure he's not. So, yeah, I, this was a tough one for me. I, I, I get all the points that you're making. I, I think I guess what part of my issue is with the argument is that I feel like there just hasn't been enough, at least this is totally from a public perspective, there hasn't been enough support from the PA in that my understanding here is that, and, and I, Again, this is for, subject to further reporting and 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 getting it all out there. But my understanding is that the PA's doctors have reviewed the file, and they're also siding with the choice that the Sabers want to make. And so yep. they're not even able to. There's like if Jack Eichel wanted to, he could file a grievance, but he's not even getting the the support from his own union to this point to to allow the ball to sort of matriculate down the field if that makes any sense like there's no ability to make any progress uh well, given that it's almost a, a a non-starter from the beginning yeah but isn't i mean really doesn't this come back to a fact that you've got you know a number two overall draft pick uh, corner your team's captain or was until they took the c away from him a few weeks ago when he failed his physical but th- this comes down to a fundamental breakdown in the relationship right like i can't imagine that if this if connor mcdavid is in the same position in Edmonton or Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh or, you know, go down the list that there isn't a way that all the parties, agent, player, family, doctors, owners, whoever needs to be in that room, that they don't sit down and say, what, how can we make this work? What's the best case scenario, all the pros and cons and, and walk out the door and have a resolution. Well, I mean, the things are so broken in Buffalo and have been for a long time. And they're broken with Jack Eichel. He's changed agents in the midst of all this. It, that's to me, that's what this is. This is, uh, yes, this is about, you know, two different medical approaches to getting him back on the ice and, and letting him not just be an elite player, but also have a healthy long life without having repeated surgeries down the road. I get all that. Uh, but uh, to me, the, one of the reasons you can't do that or they can't 
find that common ground is that things are it's a bitter know, fundamentally broken. So, and and I think my question is, who's going to blink? Like, and how does this get resolved? Like, how? Yeah. I, I don't know what the answer is. And and just making some calls about it this weekend, uh, I, I'm wondering if one of the solutions is to basically carve out some kind of exemption, some kind of one-off, one-time, Jack, you can have this surgery, but if you're not cleared on the flip side of it, then your contract's voided and that's it. Like we're, we're absolving ourselves from any further obligation to pay you because this is what you want. This is what you want to do. It's essentially a waiver. You sign a waiver that if this surgery doesn't work and you can't compete at a, at an NHL level following this surgery, well, then that's on you. I, 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 I don't even know the legality of it. I can't imagine the league or any other team would like to see some kind of precedent like that set specifically when, as Scott, you mentioned, it's so clearly spelled out in the CBA as to how exactly this should work. Well, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a great question because I, and the, you know, the, I know there was a lot of criticism of Jack Eichel's, you know, earlier representation. They came out with a release. I think it was late on a Friday. It you know, it wasn't great, but I think at one point, had Jack Eichel been given permission to to do the replacement, that there was a relatively short period of rehabilitation. Like there was a potential for Jack Eichel to get moved, go to a new team, have this procedure, and actually play at some point this year. Uh, I, I, I it's so hard to imagine how any of this, it, all of it, anything could happen that at some point sees Jack Eichel on the ice this season. Like, I, I don't know how it happens because, you know, I mean, you throw in the, all, the whole issue of the Sabres wanting it all, right. They, they stick to their guns on the medical side. Kevin Adams has asked for the moon, which is fair, but no one's going to pay the moon for a player who is in such limbo. It makes yep. no sense. I, I, and I know you guys have both probably talked to people who have sort of dipped their toes in this. And it's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe we're interested if the Sabres eat some salary or if they roll back on what they're asking for, which is basically a pot load of first round picks or first round Tight players. It, it's a it's a king's ransom that they're asking for. Again, totally within their right. But who's making that deal? Who? What GM can go to an owner and say, "Don't know if he's going to play again. Don't know what and his next fifty million bucks." And he's fifty yeah. million bucks. And by the way, we're giving up you know our top four or five prospects and or you know picks over the next two or three years. Who, who makes that move? No one does. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I it's, would agree. The, the ask is a little unrealistic, but then you throw in the uncertainty of of the future health of Jack Eichel that at this point, I don't even know if Eichel's camp knows like both camps seem confident that the surgery that they want is the best route. Right. And, and and the scary part about any surgery is I don't care what surgery you do. There's always a risk that something bad can happen. I've seen we've seen it to other athletes. And, you know, something is as weird. Stephen Marsh was a football player. He had surgery on his knee that, you know, just a, a well, I say basic, but a routine ACL surgery. Well, it turned out uh, he had a reaction to it, had massive scar tissue, never played again. Right. So these things, no one would expect that to happen. So there's always a risk of any surgery. I always that's why I kind of chuckle when I hear minor surgery. I'm like, well, Anytime you're going in on an athlete, there's there's that small chance, very minute, that something goes wrong. And yeah. Frank, uh, your, your idea actually does make a lot of sense because it does put the onus if if Eichel's camp and their doctor are so adamant that this is going to be the best case. Well, then maybe they got to do something because that does go a little bit against. Well, not a little bit, completely against what the, the current CBA is. And that's, I wonder if that co- conversation has been gone on because people that I've talked to now, granted, they're not in Buffalo, they're on the other side. And, and Scott, you alluded to it, that they don't really, they haven't seen any progress. Like this has just been a stalemate. Both sides have dug in and it's been like, what is this now? Six months, guys, six yeah, months, March. And there's been zero sway, which which makes me this almost seems like it's gotten past the point of just a medical procedure. Now it's personal and it's like the Sabres versus Eichel's camp and it's gotten very personal. And I don't know if the NHL or a mediator or someone can come in because at this point, I I don't see who's going to blink. 
I, you know, <laughs> for the longest time, I kept saying, you know what? I think Jack Eichel will come back and play for the Sabres again. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. So, no, I, I wanted to, um, and Scott, we really appreciate your time. We'll let you go. I just wanted to put a big bow on, on our discussion. Um, I'm actually hopeful about where the NHL and the NHLPA are going after this weekend. And here's why. Yes, Robin Leonard quieted down on Sunday after both the league and the PA reached out. But you cannot put a muzzle on Robin Leonard. I'm totally convinced of that. And if they want to move at a glacial speed, as Jason suggested, or if change is not coming or not fast enough, he'll just lob another bomb. That's what I, he didn't say that. That's what I gleaned from the situation, which was this guy is not going to be kept down. And so that's why I'm hopeful is that he's going to hold feet to the fire here to actually affect change. And so again, we'll see whether it happens or not, but what an interesting weekend uh, without really any actual hockey talk. It was all off the ice. So you're, you're t- Robin Leonard, early heart trophy candidate. Then he's, he's, he penciled him in early. It, and that's, see, here's the amazing part about that is that if he actually does affect change and makes players lives better, I think it's a bigger accomplishment than anything that could happen on the ice. I couldn't agree more. That is uh that is totally true. Uh, Scotty, well, before we end, we always like to play a, uh, Rapid Fire. It's brought to you by DoorDash, a proud sponsor of the Nation uh, Network of Podcasts. Restaurants and more delivered right to your door. It's convenient. It's easy. And for first-time users, you can get 25% off when you use, and no delivery fees when you use the promo code RUNDOWNDD. So the only rule, Scotty, is you have to answer the questions. Okay? Is that a question? Yes. Yes. There you go, Scott. You're playing well. I like it. You're a good listener. Good listener. Um, after... Uh, after a, a writing on deadline or whatever, what is Scott Burnside's cocktail of choice? Ooh, I, I've evolved more red wine. Um, uh, and if it's really warm, a little rosé. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more, I've evolved into a red wine. But a good PBR is still welcome. Okay. Now, I'm guessing many of our viewers and listeners might not have known this, but Scott Burnside, prior to becoming an NHL writer, wrote a story, uh, well, a book, Deadly Innocence, uh, the Paul Bernardo uh, story. How many years did you have to work on that book? Uh, I worked on that story. uh, I was at the Toronto Sun from 92 to 97, basically. And the trial was in the fall of uh, 95. Um, And I uh, wrote a book with my colleague, Alan Cairns, who passed away a year and a half ago. But uh, yes, worked on it. that does seem like another lifetime ago. And um, I, I would I would show for it, but it would be it, it's in some remainder bin, I'm sure. How do you transfer from serial killer writer to NHL writer? Now, if you were a cynic, you would say it's not that big a jump. But uh, no, it, honestly, I, I uh, it uh, it was it was the perfect tonic after a long time of um, um, it was it was a hard story to cover, and oh. I I couldn't be I couldn't have been happier to um, learn a new job, a new skill as a hockey guy. And some would say it's still taking a long time, but uh, no, it was uh, I've I've never not once have regretted making that move, even as I, I learned a ton as a news guy for a long time doing hard things. It was, uh, you know, I, I don't regret any of it. So I'll be honest. I kind of have a little bit of, I, I read a lot of books and I watch a lot of documentaries on, on serial killers. It, 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 it just, I, I'm so, I, I can't relate to it, but it really grabs my attention. So my question to you is now you covered it in depthly. Do you watch a lot of documentaries on serial killers, books on serial killers because of that? Yeah, I don't read the. I don't read uh, a I, I'm a fiction snob, so I don't read anything that's nonfiction. Sorry. Um, but I do We watch a lot of Dateline, you know, a lot of that stuff. And, um, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd sit down and, and watch uh, Zodiac over and over again, loved Mind Hunters, And yeah, no, I'm I um, 
Yeah, no, I, I love all that kind of stuff. And I don't, I don't necessarily relate it to my experiences covering, um, Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka and uh, that that seems separate to me, but I, I'm I'm fascinated like a lot of people by procedural stuff like that. Okay, um, as you've uh, covered the NHL now, coming on uh, close to 25 years, what is the best city for a media guy on the road? Oh, I, I'm, I know what he's going to say. I see. I, I hate to be predictable now. And I will only say that, uh, you know, part of the, the part of this is, you know, where do media people like to go and hang out with each other? And um, I spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh over the years and uh, um, know a couple of uh, spots that are very welcoming and friendly for uh, local writers and uh nice and close to the ring. So I, I, I like it. And I will say this about Pittsburgh that um, it's an incredible sports town, incredible hockey town. There's all kinds of incredible architecture and the bridges and lots of good restaurants. I, 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 I would say Pittsburgh. Is that what you thought I was going to say, Frank? Exactly. Right. I, I for the longest time, I thought that we were going to get like a, like a, a bungee cord or something that would rope us right from the arena, right into this one little spot. I don't know if we can say it by name right <laughs> next to the rink. And I can't tell you how many nights I've spent in there with Scott Burnside. Um, um, it feels like a million. Scott, they, you're f- when, I was just going to say, when, <laughs> it's not rapid fire now because I'm, I've gone down the rabbit hole, but when they were building the new PPG paint arena. I, there was often um, a lot of, you know, sort of emails with the PR staff and president David Morehouse, who actually had grew up in Pittsburgh about whether there would be an actual slide from the new arena into <laughs> shales cafe. It never got built, but still a, it's mean, an we, easy downhill walk from the media door. Well, that's the thing. And it like, we had been going there for so long and there were so many playoff series in that building yep. that we actually, if you could like, you could figure out which elevator you needed to get on to get out the door that spit you right out at the bar. And it was like, yeah, that was it. Uh, he, Scott, who is the best karaoke amongst the media people that you have uh, partied with over your 25 years? Well, I, I don't, there are a number of uh, surprising karaoke people, uh, but no one beats uh, Pierre Lebrun. He just, no. he's, He's the champion. He's in a. He only has one song, though. He doesn't have a a long. It doesn't. Come on, feel the noise every time. Yeah, there's some Bon Jovi mixes in, and uh, we both we both covered the uh, the Olympics in Sochi in 2014. And in our, they had these prefab huts that they set up in in various locations around the media villages, and outside of our media apartment, there was a karaoke hut, and you had to pay. It was and but you could have any song you wanted in the world, but you had to pay. And oh, my goodness, just there's a lot of karaoke sung in there uh, by a lot of different people. But I I do remember uh, sweaty Pierre Lebrun belting it out at various points during the the Sochi games. And that's a that's a memory I'll take with me forever. So conversely, who is the worst karaoke singer? I was actually attended a hall of uh, hall of fame weekend at a bar we used to go to in Toronto all the time called up front Uh, back in the day was owned by Dan Aykroyd. And then it was owned by Vic. That's who we owned when I was there. Uh, But Eric, the Hatchuk and Al Strachan one night sang karaoke there. And I think of a bunch of cats in a burlap um, sack. Um, that's what I think of when I think of uh, Eric DeHatchik and Alan Strachan. Up front, it's like just even hearing that name, I smile. Like I, I only got to go there once or twice before it closed down. And man, that was like as a young hockey writer coming up, going to Toronto and getting the invite to Upfront was like that was the coolest thing ever. So, and because this is the Never Ending podcast, my my first experience at Upfront, I was working at the National Post, was covering the Leafs, and uh, I it was the night of the five overtime Pittsburgh Philly game, won by I want to say Keith Primo. Keith Primo. Keith Primo. Who's in goal? Uh, I want to say Ken. It wasn't Ken, Ken Reagan. Reagan. Yeah, it might yeah. have been Ken Reagan. Anyway, I was in. I, I wandered into up front. I was living downtown in Toronto. Um, games on. It goes on and on. It gets the last call, and uh, 
Vic just puts the blinds down. He said, uh, uh, I'm going to lock the door. Are you, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm happy to stay and stayed right till, you know, the end of the fifth overtime. And that became, that was how we started. And that became part of the, it became a writer's bar for many, many years. Awesome. Well, Scotty, thanks so much for joining us on, on the rundown. We wish you and Mike all the great success uh, coming up on your new podcast, The Daily Faceoff. Uh, we look forward to uh, the suitcase and the scribe. Thanks for having me aboard, guys. Scotty Birdside, uh, what a beauty. Glad to have him uh, not only on the pod, but part of a daily face-off as I continue to build a, a really good team. And Frank, it's interesting. Uh, you got Arizona and Buffalo. We started off that storyline. And then, of course, uh, the Robin Leonard story. I'll be looking forward to your article uh, coming out this week uh, about him. And I just, like, I love how you said it. This is a story where he he is going to hold the NHL to not just talk about it. Because I saw Akeem Alou over the weekend say, hey, you guys told me you were going to do an investigation. Two years later, nothing's happened. I, I don't think Laner's going to be that patient. I, I No, that's not his personality, at least to this point. If, if I had to gamble and say, which way is this going to go? It's going to be with him holding their feet to the fire. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us once again on the DFO Rundown, the Yarmir Jager episode number 68, brought to you by Fantrax. It's the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry. If you got a keeper league, a redraft league, a dynasty league, do it all. Get in now before the season begins at Fantrax.com slash DFO Rundown. That's where you register and you can win a signed Nathan McKinnon jersey. Frank, have a good week. Uh, we should have some cuts and stuff uh, leading up to the next pod, as we will then be within one week of the start of the 2021-22 NHL season. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. All right, hockey fans, listen up, because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Face-Off Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.